there, it's Frank Buckley. My guest today is this guy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first debate. No, 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 no. Not a chance. If we let that pig do all the talking, we'll never get through this cartoon. That's Porky Pig, as voiced by the great Bob Bergen. You've also heard him in Minions, Wreck-It Ralph, Cars, and many, many other movies and TV shows. Ten new episodes of the Looney Tunes cartoons are being released on HBO Max later this month, and you'll hear Bob's voice on those as well. And he's part of the much-celebrated return of the Space Jam's franchise with the upcoming release of Space Jam, A New Legacy, starring LeBron James. We thought that was the perfect opportunity to revisit our fun conversation with the actor and voiceover artist, Bob Bergen, from May of 2019. Bob, welcome. Hey, thank you. I was wondering what voice, Which voice you am I going to do. You were going to come out with the real one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you ever get confused as to what your real voice is uh, during no, the conversation? I don't, but I'm more comfortable doing other voices than my own. Really? Oh yeah. Why? Because it's easy to hide behind a character. Oh. And if you're hiding behind a stuttering pig, yeah. it's much less vulnerable than just being yourself. Yeah. And do when you go to a cocktail party yeah. and people find out who you are and yeah. what you do, right? Um, is it just a pain? No, it's not like I'm a proctologist. You know, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a fun business. You don't go into something like this and hate what you do. Yeah. So, but the nice thing is, I can go to restaurants. You know, I can go to the restroom and no nobody know unless it's Comic Con. If it's San Diego Comic Con, you're the they Beatles. Know. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they follow you everywhere. But you have a an anonymity as a voice actor where you can you can be a working actor right but not worry about people following you places. Yeah. but if they ask sure i love it at that cocktail party what is the voice they ask for the most usually porky yeah yeah i mean if they know who i am they'll know that the, the, the and i'll usually get everything from can you i i hate to ask but i, I go ahead and <laughs> no problem happy to do it <laughs> it's so quick that you just go right to it yeah it's what we do it's what we do, yeah. And is it, tell, take me through the process. Is there a moment of, okay, Porky does this and there's this mannerism, or how does that? So I, I, mean, I wanted to be Porky when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I would tape old cartoons, the cartoons we watched as kids. Yeah. And I would listen to the cartoons, and I found there was, a, there was a formula to Mel Blanc's stutter, and I memorized that formula. Same formula for every word. The hard part is putting sentences together. So while I'm stuttering, I'm thinking of an ad lib. So um, uh, it would be something like... Um, well, here we are at KTLA, the news station. <laughs> and I just stutter as long as it takes me to think of the ad lib. But I don't think about it. I just do it. It's very, um, it's very knee-jerk at this point. Yeah. But when you're developing the character, when yeah. you're building it, I mean, and Porky Pig is one you've been working on since you were a kid, yeah. but something more recent. Right. Um, you know, where they say to you, here is the character. Right. Tell, For, me, tell me how you create that character. So you look at the picture, you look at the description, and then there's the dialogue. Um, Give and, me an example. Well, for instance, um, if it says that it is a uh, the captain of a starship, a la Star Trek, uh, and it says that he is on the deck, and he says to uh, number one, number one, what is our coordinate? So th- as the actor, I've got to decide, well, who is number one? What's my relationship with him? Where is number one? This information won't be on the page. This is the stuff you have to make up. So 80% of creating characters for animation is in the imagination. Mm. So you literally have to create this world in your head and then perform it. Acting is reacting. 
but your scene partner's not there for the audition. Yeah. You've got the picture, you've got just limited information, and then you have to fill in the spaces with what you got in your head. Mm. Get a call back, and then there's the producer, the, uh, the director, the casting director to say, okay, now, here's what's happening in the scene for real. By the way, your, your scene partner, way over there. Oh, guy told me that, but they don't. Right. But your solid choices get you in the room, and that's all you wanted to be is in the room for that callback. And when you get the callback and your version of the character is A, yeah. and a director, producer, writer's version is B, right. how do you get to where they want without, I don't know, changing your interpretation of the character? Or maybe you just go along with whatever they say? You go along with whatever they say. I mean, I voiceover, especially animation, it's not cold reading, it's frozen reading. There isn't a lot of time. Hmm. So I'll just to give you an idea of what my morning's like. Yeah. I've got an agent in New York. I've got an agent in Los Angeles. New York needs their scripts in for auditions by 9 a.m. New York time, which is 6 a.m. our time. So I'm up between 4 and 6, depending on how much I've got. Coffee maker's on, pour coffee, go in the office, put on KTLA Morning News. Thank you. Sure. Um, and... And print up my scripts, push record, go in the booth, and start reading. Not a lot of prep, not a lot of uh, marking up my copy. And I, I believe that that first read, that first instinct is going to be the best mm. and the freshest. And that that's my morning. Wow. Um, you know, we had Yardley Smith on, the mm-hmm. uh, voice, great. voice of Lisa Simpson. Yeah. And she was talking about the luxury of when they tape The Simpsons, that they do have all of the characters right, there right most of them assemble yeah and so they can react to each other since you do so much of it in your home mm-hmm. by yourself right do you sometimes have to think in the voice of the other character as well certainly for the audition uh once you get the job if you're doing a series you will have as many cast members uh, as who are available for that session because mm. acting is reacting and, and 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 she's right to have those other actors there is a dream when you do an animated feature, it's like any live-action movie. You don't do the, the script in order. You might Your first day might be the middle. Your second day might be the end. Mm. And they only show us the pages that we're doing, and you're working with a director. And you might do one line ten times. And the director has to remember your performance for when the next actor, your scene partner, comes in. I mean, I've done films. I did a movie called um, The Emperor's New Groove yeah. where I played a squirrel. And all of my scenes were with Patrick Warburton, and we had amazing on-screen chemistry. Never worked with the man, ever. <laughs> Just really good director, really good editing that made us look terrific on camera. But, you know, that's where the imagination really yeah. has to come in handy. What did that character sound like? The squirrel? Mm-hmm. So Patrick played Kronk, mm-hmm. who spoke squirrel. And Kronk would say, squeak, squeak, and squeak, squeak, asking the squirrel. So you say, squeak, squeak, and squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeak, and squeak, squeak. <laughs> <laughs> now, only I know what I said, but right. yeah. <laughs> and do you have to make up sort of a, a vocabulary for that to, character? For that character? Well, when when I got to the stage, um, and I knew I was playing a squirrel, I just they, they just they hired me to play a squirrel. And the director said, "All I just said to you here, Patrick Warburton, squeak, squeak, and squeak, squeak." And I said, "Do you want me to say squeak, squeak, and squeak, squeak?" And he said, "No, we need you to create a character." Mm. I said, "All right." Can I think about it for a little bit? And they said, sure. So I went outside, and Disney looks like a park. Disney Studios. I'm sitting on a park bench. And I'm yeah. like, squeak, 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 and squeak, squeak, squeak. And I swear to you, Frank, a little squirrel ran down a tree, stood on its hind legs right there, looked at me, and went, I want to see I went, thank you. <laughs> so I went into the, to the, to the stage. I went, and they went, that works. <laughs> so what I would do 
is I would read Patrick's lines or the purpose behind it. So if, if Patrick's lines were, uh, he says that he was walking down a, a, a dusty trail and came across this evil witch, I would go, <laughs> so I would just read his lines yeah. in squirrel. I see. Oh, that's And hope it was good. Yeah, and it was. That there was fascinating. Um, how did you get into this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was lucky. Uh, I wanted to be Porky Pig since I was five years old. Uh, my mom said, you can't be Porky Pig, you're Jewish. And I did not know what that meant because we were the kind of Jews with a Christmas tree next to a menorah. So um, we lived in the Midwest. Right. And, Ohio, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Born in St. Louis and then Cincinnati. Yeah. And when I was 14, my dad said, we're moving to L.A. Not for me, just because he took a job here. I'm like, great, because I want to be in L.A. and I want to be Porky Pig. Yeah. So I just thought I'd call Mel Blanc and just tell him, look, I, 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 I just got here. I've seen you on TV. You're getting up there in age. And I didn't know if anybody would offered him a chance to retire. I thought I was being very generous. <laughs> and so I couldn't find him in the phone book. And my dad says, you know, L.A. is a lot bigger than Cincinnati. There's a, there's a phone book around every street corner here where we had one. Also, the concept of unlisted number, I didn't even know that existed. Right. But my dad traveled from, like, Pasadena to Malibu. And he went to post offices, and he got me white-page phone books. And I had a stack of white-page phone books. And my parents were, it was a Saturday, I think. My, my, my parents were out for the day. I'm in my parents' bedroom on the phone. In the kitchen, I had a little tape recorder and the other phone, I pushed record, ran back in my parents' room, called the first Mel Blanc in the book. I didn't, maybe it was Burbank's uh, phone book. Uh, is this Mel Blanc, the cartoon guy? No, sorry, wrong number, bye. Ran in, stop, hang up the phone. And I just kept doing that backwards, like all day long. And couldn't find him. And then finally I thought, I'm going to look under his wife's name. Because I knew his wife's name was Estelle. And I found an E Blanc in the Pacific Palisades, which was him got him on the phone. I taped the conversation, which is 100% illegal. You're not supposed to be able to do that, but it's been 40 years. I think I'm okay. And during the course of the conversation, he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the day or the time. He said the name. So when I finished talking to him, I called the studio pretending to be his assistant. And I said, hi, just calling to confirm Mr. Blank's appointment for Thursday at 9. And they said, we have him on the books for Wednesday at 11. I went, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm looking at the wrong calendar. Thank you so much. And I said to my mother, I'm skipping school Wednesday, and we're going to go watch Mel Blank work. And she said, cool. So we got to the studio, and I said to the receptionist, hi, we're guests of Mel Blank. He said we could watch. And she said he's in that booth over there. And he walked into the booth, and I said to his producer, hi, we're friends of the receptionist. And she said we could watch. And she said, have a seat. And I go, I just watched him work. And it was like, you know, if you're a baseball player and you're seeing your favorite baseball player in yeah. person, oh you know, goodness. or just, you know, it was, it was amazing. Wow. And did you then say hello, Mr. Yeah. Blank? Yeah. When it was all over, um, went to shake his hand. He gave me an autograph. I said, I'm the kid that called you. Um, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He remembered. Um, but driving away, I said to my mom, and my voice hadn't changed yet either, so that wasn't going to be porky pig. Um I said, look, I got I to gotta study this business. I got to get in this business because I'm not ready for it. It's not ready for me. Yeah. So when it is, I need to be prepared. So I called Hanna-Barbera. And Hanna-Barbera referred me to a guy named Dawes Butler, who did almost every voicemail blank didn't. He was Yogi Bear and Huckleberry Hound and Snagglepuss. I studied with Dawes. I studied with everybody that offered a voiceover class. My parents were very supportive. Mm. I was the kid studying voiceover because back then they wouldn't hire you if you were under 18. Yeah. And... That studied acting, studied improv. 
I always wondered about that because you see classes, and I think you even offer yeah, classes yeah. in voiceover. What do you learn at something like that? Well, for me, uh, and I, I do uh, an L.A. class, and I do weekend classes around the country. The first thing I tell people is, look, if you don't have a, an acting background, save your money. Mm. Study acting, study improv, then study voiceover. I see. You'll be spinning your wheels at the mic, not able to take direction not able to interpret the script. What I teach people is how to create characters, how to sustain them, mm. how to remember them. Because you might have an audition on Monday and your callback isn't for three months. Now you have an audio reference because you probably auditioned in your home studio because mm -hmm. that's how voiceover works today. Mm -hmm. But even even with just that audio reference, you've got to remember the character traits. You've got to remember the personality that you created hmm. for that callback. Yeah. So I teach people originality. And, you know, the, the odds of booking a classic character are pretty slim. I mean, I know I did it, but you can't go by that. It's right. all about it. And for me, my day-to-day -day is creating original, new. What's the, the original character that you're most proud of? Oh, good question. Um, I would say the squirrel, actually. Just because of the way it all happened. I mean, we did the film, we did a sequel, and then I ended up doing three years on a series from that little animatronic squirrel that I think was <laughs> totally not real at, at, at the Disney lot. Wow. That's one of my, my, my favorite that I've... But see, when we do... Like, I'll do... I'm doing... Um, for this new Looney Tunes thing we're doing called Looney Tunes Shorts. Um, oh, I can't even talk about it because of NDAs, but we're, we're, okay. we're, we're taking new characters and or old characters that might have done a one-off, you yeah. know, and bringing them back and bringing in freshness and new personalities. But my day-to-day -day is creating new. It's yeah. just that the Looney Tunes is very high profile. I see. What's been the most challenging character that you had to create? To create or just do? Oh, do. I would say Luke Skywalker. Mm. Yeah, back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I got an audition to for the games to do Luke Skywalker. And I said to my agent, I can't do Mark Hamill. And my she says, you wanna, you wanna pass? I said, I wanna pass. And the producers called her back and they said, um, we were we still want to see him. And I walked into the audition. I said, guys, I don't do Mark Hamill. And they said, don't do Mark Hamill. Do Luke Skywalker. I went, oh, okay. So I thought personality, character. They heard something in my voice, in my timbre, that sounded like Mark. Yeah. But the character is what they wanted because there's pre-Jedi and post-Jedi Luke. Mm -hmm. Pre-Jedi Luke is, is A New Hope. You know, he's kind of whiny, you know, he's that, he's really just kind of immature Luke, you know. Um, and then he gets the force and he gets a little bit more serious, but it's all the same timber mm. in my voice. So. And so you had the one that was the immature one? I had both. You had both? Yeah. So give us, give us, take us from immature. Pre, well, there's pre-Jedi and there's post-Jedi. There it is. Post-Jedi, you know, he can, just, he can just do this and you'll do what he wants. But pre-Jedi is a little bit insecure, a little whiny, you know. You know, he's he's fighting with Han, he's really excited, and he's got this cadence to him, and then he gets a little bit more centered. But it's always the same character. Mm. And I've not done anything uh, uh, with the new movies. That's, that's a very, very different flavor of Luke. Right. And, and your fear was that, A, you don't do the Mark Hamill impression. Yeah. And, and B, I would imagine that there's... This is a an iconic character at this yeah, point, yeah. and who are you to 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 be all that above, guy? All the above. I mean, I first of all, I, I I've got a, this is a personal thing. I won't go after somebody else's job. Mm. So I first of all found out from Lucas Arts, Mark's not doing this right. I mean, seriously, right. if, if it's a if it's a negotiation thing, I'm out. Right. This he is Luke Skywalker. 
And they said, no, he's not interested. Okay, fine, I'll play. I'll do this. And I've right. done them for Robot Chicken, and I've done them for other, other things. Um, but the bottom line is, he is Luke Skywalker. I'm just borrowing him for the day, yeah. basically. So let's talk about those iconic characters. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know if you call them legacy characters, like Porky Pig, right. Tweety Bird. They're ingrained in our memories. They're yeah. the cartoons that you and I grew up watching. Right. And now you have to be that character. And do you say, I'm going to be the Mel, I'm going to be Mel Blanc, or am I going to be my own version of Porky? It's a great question. When we first got the job, they would play us like a 12, 15 minute reference. And some of it was from Looney Tunes from the 30s, some from the 40s, some, some from the 50s. And I would say, what, what, what do you want? Mm. And they'd say, well, they're all Porky. Like, well, yes, but the character evolved. So do you want me to do Porky from the 30s? Want me to do Porky from the 50s? And they're looking around like they'd never had to recast. They had the same gentleman since the 30s. So they didn't even know how to go about this. And I was like, look, all right, my sweet spot for Porky is about 1953 to 1956. And if you know the shorts, it's Duck Dodgers, Drip Along Daffy, Robin Hood Daffy. That's where I think Mel Blanc along with Chuck Jones and Frizz Freerling and the creators, really solidified the character. Hmm. So that's where I aim for, if I'm given the choice when I'm, when I'm voicing the character. If I'm not given the choice, like what we're doing right now, we're doing a series of shorts where some of them look like 1930, some of them look like 1950, some of them look like 1940s, and they're, they're, they're paying uh, respect and homage to all the different directors, hmm. the original directors. Hmm. And it's... A blast! It's so much fun to go back to where these characters started. the The twist I have to do is put them in contemporary situations. Mm. Mel Blanc never talked about cell phones. He didn't have a computer. He didn't have an Uber driver. So <laughs> we have to take these classic characters, keep the integrity of the characters, and put them in contemporary situations. Mm. So let me ask you to go through the evolution of one character. Okay, whether it's Porky Pig or sure. whoever you choose. Yeah. Take me through the evolution of that character. Okay, well, early, early on, Mel Blanc, first of all, a lot of people don't know, he wasn't the original voice of Porky Pig. Mm. Uh, the guy they, they originally hired had a real stutter. And he wasted so much time. And he wasted so much film that, that Jack Warner was like, we're spending a fortune on these. Get somebody who can control the stutter. Right. And Mel Blanc had done one cartoon as a different, I think he played a drunk bull. And they said, would you like to play this the Porky character? He said, okay. So, but he had to, kind of imitate what the other guy was doing. So the stutter was uh, very different. It's, 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 it's fine. I'll be on a couple of days. And eventually he made it his own and he controlled the stutter and he added personality, completely changed the personality of the character. So if I see something that we're doing that's very 1940s, uh, Bob Clampett, who was one of the original uh, directors, um, a lot more broad, uh, the, the character's not as um, cerebral hmm. as a Chuck Jones 1950s. Chuck, Chuck Jones 1950s with Daffy, Porky was the, uh, I know exactly what he's doing. I just let him do it. <laughs> and and 1940s Porky, a little more broad, a little more innocent, a little more wide-eyed. And so... so I, I, I adjust to what they're asking me to do within the story. Yeah. But it's always Porky. It always has to keep the integrity of the character. And what is the modern-day Porky? Well, modern-day Porky is whatever the director that day wants me to be. I see. So, like, when we did Space Jam, um, it was a, 
a story we'd never told before. I didn't know that if there was a, a, a golf hole, it's going to lead you to our Looney Tunes world. And Michael Jordan would be there and all the Looney Tunes are there. So I kind of took, uh, uh, Ivan Reitman directed the voice sessions. I kind of took his lead. Mm. And just, you know, in my mind, I'm like for 1950s Porky. But 1950s Porky, there was a scene where Porky screams and said, I will wet myself. <laughs> well, he, Porky didn't have a urinary tract problems in the past. So I had to do that for a modern take on the character. <laughs> Do you ever feel so vested in a character that when you're asked to change it, that it's painful for you? Good question. So I, um, I always respect the writer. I think all actors are only as good as the words we have to say. Mm. And f- for the last 10 years, Warner Brothers has hired some amazing writers for us to work with. But every once in a while, I'll see a line. Like, for instance, I can't stand when they write in my stutter. I can't find the story. So if there's lots of T's and lots of L's and lots of F's, I'm like, I just want to know what you want me to say. Right. So Matt Craig, who was the producer of our last series, which I'm nominated for, he we created a, a system where he will he would put a word, do an ellipses, and then there's the joke. So ellipses means for me stutter and think and think of the joke. I see. But honestly, when I look at the script, I don't think of what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. It just organically comes out. Sometimes I'll say to the director, let me do one for me. Because that, in my mind, I'll go, that's eh, not a real Porky-esque way to say what they want me to say. Mm. I would never say that to them because I think it's kind of rude. But I'll say, let me just try one for me. What they print, completely up to them, right. none of my business. And when you see what they print, mm-hmm. and you thought, oh, take seven was the best. Yeah. And you know that they used take six. Yeah. And I do. Is that sort of like, why did you use that one? Well, first of all, I rarely watch my work because I cringe. You I mean, cringe? I cringe. I can't stand hearing myself. Really? Yeah. If, if You're it's, a voiceover actor. But see, I like, my, my, my joy is in the doing, not the viewing. So I enjoy being, the microphone is my happy space. I mean, this is, this is what I love. Sitting in a theater, I mean, I've done a billion an, uh, animated features, and I've seen maybe a third of them at the most. Um, I may watch an episode of something I've done. But I just cringe. I'm like, oh, I would have done that so much better. Because you do the you do the voices first. Yeah. They animate to your soundtrack. Right. So you're looking at it like, oh, I'd have played him differently. If I knew he walked that way. I see. So, but that's just me. I'm just very, very. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. And what about the time lag? Because so much animation, you do the voice today. Yeah. And you don't see the film for two years, to five years. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's a series, probably one year, one to two. Yeah. Uh, if it's a feature. One to four, two to five, depending on when you come. I mean, I'm working on a feature right now. They've done nothing. So I don't know, probably two or three years it'll come out, and I have no idea what the story is. And it's a major franchise, which I can't talk about, but. You do it. You just do it. It's the work. And then people will say, What did you do? And I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I did a thing. And, and, it's, and it's every day. You're, you're working every day of the week. Well. If it's a good week. Yeah, there, no, there are some weeks I'm folding laundry and watching your extended news broadcast. And then there are some weeks where, like like tomorrow, I've, I'll, I'll leave at 7 a.m. because i got to be, I think I'm working at DreamWorks from, from 9 to 6 on a feature. So wow. um, it, every day is different. But that's the fun part is that, you know, it's never boring. Because hmm. I do a lot of commercials. I do a lot of promos. I do a lot of games. I do narration. And I do animation. Hmm. So it's never going to be like, okay, same old, same old. No, it's totally different today than yesterday. Yeah. Do you, when you have to do uh, promos, for example, mm-hmm. do you, that's closer, I would imagine, to a your real voice. Correct. 
and do you have to put on uh, – I tell people when they come on our show, if they haven't done a lot of TV, yeah, I say just be yourself with energy, right? Yes. Which is don't come on and talk like right. this. Right, right. talk like this, yeah. which is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder how, what is your advice for people who are doing voiceovers for the Well, first so time? for promos, first of all, you're the branding voice of the network mm. or the show, whatever it might be. So – for years, I was the voice of Disney Channel, which was Perky Bob. Coming up next on Disney, it's Goof Troop, followed by so-and-so. So that was Perky Me. I've done um, edgier promos, you know, where it's like a adult show for Netflix. Coming up next on Netflix. So, so you, you, would, you just shift gears. Mm. But it all has to come from truth. It all has to be authentic. I well, see. it's like you. You know, it, at, at 8.05, it's the light story about so-and-so. This just breaking right now we've heard about a, an accident on so and so you shift gears but you're always authentic you're absolutely right and you're basically playing the part of what's happening in the in the now yeah it, it, and people ask me that all the time how do you guys go from terrible tragedy to that's what you do and i say it, it, it you do it in life yeah right in life one moment we're saying oh gosh did you hear about that horrible right. thing that happened down the street and then the next moment i've got a funny joke i want to tell you and that's kind of life. That and is everyday life. Right. I've got a friend who's a, um, a school teacher, and she's I got six classes a day. And every class, I've got to play somebody, somebody different. Mm. This is, it was, she's a Spanish teacher. This is the beginning Spanish. I've got to be a little bit more of a cheerleader. Uh, AP is, is six. I can relax a little bit. Yeah. This one has the troubled kids, so I've got to be able to play the strict teacher. Mm. So, you know, when, whatever your job is in real life, you do adjust a little bit of who you are, but again, you're always who you are. Yeah. Um, there was one other person who was instrumental in your career, and that was the legendary Casey Case. Yeah. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, a friend of the family knew Casey and had him send me an autographed picture for my high school graduation. And I sent him a thank you note. Mr. Kasem, thank you so much for this picture. By the way, I want your job. And I put down my phone number. And like a week later, hello. Hi, Bob, it's Casey Kasem. I got your, I got your note. I said, that is the worst impression of Casey Kasem I've ever heard. <laughs> Who is this? And he goes, okay. Hi, Bob, it's Casey Kasem. And I got your note. Like, oh, you were so Casey Kasem. I said, do you put it on? He goes, a little bit. A little bit. For, the, for the radio, for the TV, you put it on just a little bit. Right. And, you know, I'd been studying voiceover for like four years. And he said, do you have, a, do you have an agent? And I said, no. He said, do you have a demo? And I said, no. Um, he said, well, send me as a homemade demo if you can. Um, you know, just don't spend money. A little portable tape recorder. Like did like 85 voices. Record, stop, record, stop, record, stop. Uh-huh. Send it to Casey. His agent at the time was at Cedar sinai in an oxygen tent. And Casey went to the hospital and through the plastic played this little homemade <laughs> demo. The agent got better. Called me up a Thank few God. weeks later. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, I heard your, I heard, told me the whole story. Uh, Casey said, you're very talented. You're a fine young man. And I'd like to represent you. And I said, well, Mr. I don't know what that means. But as long as it's after 3 o'clock, I got school. <laughs> And I, I met with him at his office. I had no idea. His name was Don Pitts. I had no idea that this gentleman was the, the top voiceover agent in the business. Casey Kasem, Mel Blanc, June Foray. My first audition in person was with Orson Welles. I'm sitting on the couch with my script waiting to go in, and Orson Welles walks in and sits next to me. And did you understand who Orson Welles was? Oh, sure. Was? You did. Because I was a geek. 
Right. Yeah, okay. I was also a tour guide at Universal Studios at the time, so I was a big movie fan. Okay. And I'm sitting next to Citizen Kane, and and <laughs> he was real sweaty and he smelled really bad, but it was Orson Welles. I didn't care. <laughs> and he, my my shoulders touching him, and he looks over at my script. He goes, "I believe we're reading together. Would you like to go out and rehearse?" And I went, <laughs> and we ran through it, and he goes, "That'll do." I went. That's a review from Orson Welles. And we went in, and the, and the booth was about the size of this table. We had to stand facing each other, and his stomach was against my stomach. And he, again, he was re- real sweaty. I had a circular sweat stain on my shirt that I was like, oh, I'm never going to wash this. And it, it, it evaporated. I was so sad. But I still never washed it because I had essence on it. But yeah, I, I, I was, long story short, I was able to sign my first agent with the top agent in the voiceover industry. I just got very, very lucky. Yeah, but it also sounds like it was, you know, a lot of the people we have on here have this, and the word is intention. Yeah. You had intention early on in your career that this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. And then you put the work in to get there. I think everybody in any field, you know, the people that are successful, um, work hard. They're focused. I was razor focused. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. In fact, I had an agent. I was working in the industry. I mean, I signed with that first agent in 82. Uh, I was with another agent, I think in 87. Mel Blank died in 89. And I was working on a whole bunch of shows when I got the audition for Looney Tunes. The first audition. I think I auditioned like 12 times for that first job. But I said to my agent, just in passing conversation, if I don't book this, I'm going to I'm going to retire from voiceover and do something else. And she said, why? I said, this is the only reason I got into this business is this one job. Well, she saw 10% of everything else I was doing. She said, well, don't, 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 don't be hasty. I, I, I think that's kind of a rash. Just think, 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 think about that. And, and fortunately, it, it all worked out. But I've had to re-audition for Porky five times. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. To this day? To this day. In fact, what I got an Emmy nomination for um, I was finishing up that series. We did three years and 300 shorts. Uh, and then they were prepping this new 200 shorts that I'm doing. So I was finishing up this show and they made me audition for the new one. Why, you say, yeah, right? I can, I can read your mind. Yes. Why? Because they can. Because I don't own the character. Because it's new producers. Now, yeah, it's five times. The first time it happened, I was like, oh my gosh, really? Really? Because you must think, what, you don't like what you've been hearing for this whole time? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. So the second time was like, okay, all right. The third time was like, this again? Now, the last time, and this is my philosophy, I go in there and I know, I know I can rock that script. I know I'm going to ad lib stuff nobody else can. I know I can take those words and bring them to life. But if somebody's better, then I have to go, well, that was 30 great years. And God bless them. 30, 30 Almost 30, almost 30. But if they're better, they, I think gratitude goes a long way. Mm. And nothing is forever. Nothing is forever in this business. I don't own these characters. I mean, let's be honest. Mel Blanc is no longer with us. Jim Henson is no longer with us. But Kermit the Frog and Porky Pig are. I don't do Kermit. But my my point is that that, that Walt Disney's gone, Mickey Mouse lives. Mm. So the characters will always be here. Um... I'm just very fortunate that that it's been mine for a while. I'm going to ask you to go through a number of characters, and this is mean, but I'm going to ask you to do it in quick succession. Sure. And and I'll just, what I'll do, 
And if you if it's not fair, you tell me. Okay, but I'm going to yell out characters that you have done. Uh, hang on, let me get a sip of water. And then, right. uh, uh, and then, uh, and then, and then I'm going to ask you to do them. Ready? Okay. okay. Here we go. Porky. Well, here we are, Frank, having a wonderful conversation. See, I love chatting with you. <laughs> uh, Tweety Bird. Ooh, you bad old putty tat. Ooh, Dwayne, look. Here's an interview at KTOA. Marlon the Marsh- Martian. Marvin the Martian? I'm going to blow up KTLA. It obstructs my view of Venus. Isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez. Hola, Speedy Gonzalez. The fastest mouse in all Mexico. Hola, Andre. Yeehaw! I have to do it that way because they're wearing headphones and blood will come from their ears. <laughs> and finally, uh, a more recent character, Winter Soldier. A Winter Soldier, uh, that's the, the Marvel Universe. Kind of like Luke Skywalker, mm. but, but he's got issues. He's very deep. And he, even when he battles, even when he fights, he doesn't get above this. He's very dark. What, has there ever been a character that you haven't been able to do? Sure. All, I mean, I'll pass all the time. Or my agent will send me an audition and they'll say, we're looking for a James Earl Jones type. I'm like, have you heard me? I mean, I'd <laughs> love to be able to do this, but it's not me. Well, they hold auditions because they don't know what they want. Mm. So I might take the, what they're looking for in, in the vocal quality and ignore it and just do what I think the character should be. Mm. I try to stay away from things that are very, very throaty, like in games, because it'll kill me. Mm. And I, if, I, if I lose my voice playing a game, and I'm not able to even audition for something later on in the day, mm-hmm. but it's interesting where the throaty thing lives. I could do a character like this all day long, and that don't hurt. It's very gruff. It's very rough, but it doesn't hurt me. My, uh, but my, Fred, uh, my friend uh, Fred Tattashore does Yosemite Sam wouldn't even audition for him because Yosemite Sam lives right here and I, I don't come close but I'm going to kill myself if I do that more than four hours. <laughs> and and God bless Fred. He's got, you know, vocal cords of steel. He can do that. Mm. Um, and when you get these that you pass on and the agent says, no, I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. And there have probably been times where you reluctantly went forward. Are there any that you ended up nailing that you thought you couldn't do? I would say, as an actor, the, the auditions I look at that scare me, I'm like, I can't even come close to this. Those are the ones I book. The ones I'm like, I can do this in my sleep, because you're on automatic pilot and you're not trying. So yeah, the challenging things as an actor are the ones that, because you're really invested in trying to make it meaty, trying to do something to bring it to life. You know, I tell my students that the script is a skeleton, your job is to give it a body. Mm. It takes a lot of thought. Yeah. So the ones that scare me, I'm going to work really, really hard to bring those to life. And like, you know, the Christmas elf that we do every year between, you know, uh, Halloween and whatever. You're going to play an elf. And they just go and play an elf. Hi, Santa. I'm an elf. You're the big jolly guy. And, you know, you don't, you don't even think about it. Yeah. But then you see it on the air and you're like, oh, okay, that actor put a little bit of thought into character, not just voice. Right. Are there sometimes, as a as one of the best in the business in voiceover, you hear a voiceover, and you think they don't know what they're doing, or they're, they're mailing it in, or they're faking their way through this character? Sometimes, but rarely. Um, I mean, my the people that I work with who are trained in this, the the Billy Wests and the Candy Milos, the Debbie Derryberries. Uh, they, this is just what we do. Mm. Uh, I would say nine out of ten times, the animated feature that hires the celebrity for the leads. They do a great job because they find celebrities whose personality fits that character. And every once in a while, there's a stunt casting, 
And they're, I'm like, they did that for box office. It's not working. Mm. They, they weren't able to bring that character off the page. Which one? Which one was that? I won't say. <laughs> I won't say. But it's 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 it's, it's rare because yeah. my gosh, uh, Tom Hanks is Woody. Yeah. And. Um, uh, uh, Albert Brooks in Finding Nemo and, and Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, this is brilliant casting. Not, they're not just looking for celebrities because they're celebrities. This is brilliant casting. Mm. And my, a lot of people in my, in my world, they would love to play the leads. I would love to play the leads. I'm never going to. We, we are Why the, not? Well, because I'm not Tom Hanks. I'm not Albert Brooks. Uh, I'm not Tim Allen. But if you look at the end of, a, of an animated feature, mm-hmm. you'll see a lump of credits that say additional voices. That's the collective us that can do 12 characters in a scene. And instead of giving us per character credit, um, we made an agreement with the union years ago to be lumped into additional voices. Hmm. So we're utility players. Um, Even though you're a star in these iconic characters, you are Porky Pig. You're Tweety Bird. But I'm not box office. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be the box office name that the suits and the studios and the network's going to say, he can drive this. He can drive People this. aren't coming to listen to Bob Bergen do a character. They're listening to Bob Bergen's character. Correct. And they may not even know I'm in it until they see the end credits. I see. Uh, so you have to kind of check your ego at the door. We're all working on the same project. And I'm having as much fun as I would if I was playing the lead. The ego in me would like to go, yeah, I'd like to be the lead in that, in that film. And is that something then that you aspire to? In the same way that you had intention to be Porky Pig someday, right. are you someday going to be or want to be the lead character in a motion, major motion picture. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, I, I do, but I, I'm all, I also know the realities. You know, actors have to take off their actor hat and put on their business hat mm. and think like a studio executive. Think like a network. What is going to bring in seats to the theaters? Mm. What's going to bring in viewers on that show? Right. Is it going to be a, a name person or a versatile voice actor? So, you know, I, I get that. A mm. lot of people. In my world, in my circle, they don't, and it really they, they invest a lot of time being angry about that. Mm-hmm. What's the point? It's out of my hands. But, you know, I, I'm also blessed every day. I get to do what I love, so I can't complain too much. Is there one character that's out there that you, you really want, and you haven't had a, a crack at it, and someday you're going to do it, mm-hmm. and that's the one that, that we're going to be talking about when you come back next time? Hasn't happened yet. I mean, I've done a lot of characters that have been, you know, other shows, other films, et cetera, but I would love to have my SpongeBob. I would love to have my Bart Simpson. I would love to have that one iconic character. Um, and I've been very, very blessed. There's been lots of characters, but yeah. And as a, as a character voice actor, I audition for them every day. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Well, Bob, it's been a pleasure. This Thank is you. fun. Thank you. That's all, folks. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bob Bergen. You can see it as well if you want. It's on YouTube. Just search for Frank Buckley Interviews, Bob Bergen. We drop a new podcast every Wednesday, and we air our TV shows on KTLA on the weekend. Thanks for joining us this week, and until next time, I'll see you on TV.